from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. Listening to live from the path. We're coming to you from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. Brought to you this week by RC Cola. That's Royal Crown Cola, the cola of choice of live from the path. Have y'all ever actually had RC Cola? Oh yeah, I have for sure. I don't think I've ever had. What kind of question is that? I, I don't think I've ever had it. Huh. Okay, we've recently, I saw this on the complaint line, we've lost the sponsorship of RC Cola <laughs> based upon the start of our advertisement and Booba goes, have you even had this? Because I have not. <laughs> the best cola around. Yeah. Thank you and farewell, RC Cola. I was giving you guys an opportunity to tell me how great it was. Uh, it's not that great. <laughs> it's crisp. It's refreshing. No. I don't think this this uh, sponsorship was going to last a very long time anyway. Okay, I, they bailed appropriately. This has been Foost. You're listening to Live from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us uh, this evening. Here's what we got going on the show. So big big question of the day. We were talking um, about Jesus is, is interacting with a couple of fellers, and one of the things that uh, he says is, uh, dude comes up and says, uh, "Lord, I'm going to follow you here, but um, let me let me wait, bury my father." And Jesus says, uh, "Let the dead bear their own dead." <laughs> and it's a it seems like a harsh harsh thing to say. And uh, I will continue. So we'll reset the scale once we start talking about it. But it is both less harsh than what you think, and more harsh than what you think. Um, but it brings out the question um, in your own lives. Are we evaluating for a but first? So God says, here's here's the thing that I want for you. Here's the way I want you to go about your life. And you say, sure, 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 sure. I'm, I'm in. I love what you're saying. This sounds great. But first, I'm going to go do this thing. And it could be a like a big thing that you just big goal of yours that you got on your mind. Uh, or which I think is likely in my case, I'd have to put a little bit more thought into it. But like it's, it's probably a pretty steady evidence of how my – Time is being used where I've got a bucket of things that I know are good that God would call good, and I go, yeah, 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 yeah. But first, <laughs> I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this. So it's not like a follow me, don't follow me. It's a uh, pr- probably a fealty and obedience thing on a daily basis is probably where mine lives. But anyway, I thought maybe we'd we'll talk about that. Yeah, see see how that hits you. Uh, also, there was an article in the news uh, this week. I, I don't know, like I'm kind of curious about. What it felt like. There was an article that said, Can you be born again without feeling it? Oh. Yeah. Actually, that leads to an interesting. Uh, yeah. We'll probably read that article. But like, um, I was thinking about this the other day that like, I uh, tell people that their feelings can't be trusted. But one of the things that God promises is peace. And peace in, a, in my mind mm-hmm. is a feeling, a feeling of peace, you know? And so like, it's not that all feelings can't be trusted. I think you can feel it, but not actually be born again. Ooh. So you're fi- <laughs> <laughs> Did you just ooh your ooh. own statement? That's deep. This is, a, is his own I'm theological hype man. For Dan. Did I say that? Jeez. I, I think Dan, you can feel it Dan. and not be born again. Ooh. Ooh. Takes off the arm floaties and heads to the deep. Ooh, that was hot. Hot takes with Dan. 
Uh, oh. Woke or toke, Dan? Okay. I, yeah. No, I, I uh, really it would be super interesting because there's all kinds of people that's, that, that like have a, a feeling of that, right? Like can all feelings not be trusted or can some be trusted? You say only feelings from oh, God can be trusted. Uh, no, no, uh, yeah, actually, so let's get, let's get into that. What do we mean when we say, um, your feelings can't be trusted and how should that relate to, uh, spiritual tinglies in general? <laughs> oh, can did, that, oh, Mike, yeah. did you just ooh oh, your own statement? Too? I didn't ooh, I said oh, because a thought occurred to me is like, first of all, we gotta talk about whether that, uh, that is even theologically correct. Is it, is it theologically uh, yeah. correct to say that your, your feelings can't be trusted? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got any biblical basis for that or like we just said, the feelings in this world are so off and weird that uh, it's best to just shelve 99% of them. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, I can answer that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We'll get to that. Uh, I have a question, too. Okay. What the heck are the Nephilim? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I re- I know, that came ooh. from somewhere, but... Ooh. <laughs> oh, boy. Nice job, Booba. It said uh, Nephilim. Uh, so, reading through Genesis the last couple of days, and Genesis 6 mentions the sons of God uh, mixing with the daughters mixing. in the world. Eyebrows. Nephilim, uh, full capital there. Yeah. Nephilim. Nephilim, whatever. And then I also <laughs> Not have. Nephilim, yeah, you said. Nephilim. <laughs> and then I also have uh, um, my sister in law asked me that same question like a month and a half ago. Randomly, she texts me and asked me, hey, what do you think about the Nephilim? And I was like, oh boy, I don't know if I'm prepared for Let that. Let me find question. one and ask. <laughs> yeah, so. I, Hello, sir. <laughs> I just, yeah, right, exactly. I, I wanted to figure out what we're thinking through that thing. Okay. Uh, and what's going on in Genesis 6. Okay, well, you pull it, once you get it ready, once you pull it up yeah, and let's read this. Okay, yeah. good. Remember, remember when you said. Nephilim? <laughs> you sounded so dumb. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I, it reminds me of an Elvis song where it goes, I'm caught in a trap. I can't walk out. Because, because, no, keep going, Ben. I'm gonna, I'm no, gonna, we love this. Yeah, I'm keep going. To it. I'm committed. You're going to call Elvis and try and get that demonetized too? Because I love you too much, baby. Here's the deal. I know that song, but it drives me nuts at how long and how many times he repeats that specific musical phrase. Why can't you see? It's over and over again for like seven minutes. What you do? A caught in a trap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I knew I knew what we were doing. All right. Anyway, and then we're gonna do some advice on dear life in the path. A uh, great news, I think, for Mike. Ooh. Nobody submitted a video onto the complaint line this week, so Mike is not required to do a 15-minute exercise program of your audience selection. No, you're taking that in wrong. You just totally didn't say the that. second half of that bet. That means it's our choice if no one else selects. We it, is, have, we, it is our choice. Uh, you have to, to you needed you. to have submitted it on the complaint line. Yeah, it's, it's already come and gone. It's yoga. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. As I hear you guys and your, your complaint line uh, 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 what a, pushing to the side of it. Yeah. Okay, I see what you've done, and you missed out. Once again, I've disappointed myself. Yes, yeah, the thing. We really need to take a uh, a couple of bits from this show tonight of all the random noises everyone has made Call so far, because Ben just went. Uh, after push. Dan went. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Mike is like. Oh. <laughs> Nathaniel has repeated everything. Okay. Okay. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna cut them. I'll find them, and we'll cut them all up and superimpose them over a man looking at a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> At, at the Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> oh. hey. hey, man, speaking of Walmart. Hold the door. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. This is great. We're just, we should, nobody does ringtones anymore, but we should do Live for the Path ringtones. Oh, that's They're just true. random, like. People call and it goes, et tu fait, baby. <laughs> A crawfish. Oh. Okay. All right. So, uh, out of the gate. 
out of the gate. The question is, is there a uh, but first in your life? So uh, the, the, back to the story of Jesus. Jesus talks to the guy and the, and he says, uh, let me bury my dad. And Jesus says, let the dead bear their own dead. So a couple quick things. I think there's multiple options as to what he's talking about. I do not believe that the like the dad has just died or something like even in con- cultural context, like family family member dies. Certainly dad dies. There's like a morning time. They're staying home. They're not like out wandering around talking to itinerant preachers, picking up milk at the market or anything like oh, the things within 24 hours. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's not like. Yeah. Right. They're going to bury the next day. They're going to mourn the night over. Like people will bring things. They're not going to be out and about. So like it's not that dad dies and Jesus goes, <laughs> no way, man, you follow me or nothing. <laughs> OK. <laughs> um. So I think there's two likely scenarios. The first one could be. You know, when you when you bury when you bury in that culture, um, the the body's going to sit in the tomb for like a year, and then the body then the bones are going to be moved to the ossuary box. And so, like, he could mean my dad has been dead for a bit now, but like, it's my responsibility after the year's up to go move the bones, and so let me do that. Could be, it could be that his dad is healthy. <laughs> There's no problem with him at all. Um, and what he's basically saying is like. Once, any minute. yeah, <laughs> any day. <laughs> Once my dad dies, which could be two hours or thirty years, then like I'll fulfill my family obligations, and then I will go follow you. So, um, so I, I think it's, it's it could be either one of those last two things seems most likely to me. Uh, however, what Jesus responds back to him is uh, is basically says, uh, "Let the dead bury their own dead," which is super offensive, right? Because not only does it say, "I'm asking you to forgo." Your familial responsibilities, which were real, real responsibilities, right? Like this is a right. um, nobody else can say what Jesus is saying. It's a very cavalier thing to say. No, no rabbi in his right mind would say, don't, don't ignore uh, the fifth commandment, <laughs> uh, honoring your mother and father, and come follow me. So, like Jesus is saying something very unique here. Um, but then he insults the the family that remains. Um, by basically saying, following if you follow me, this is life, and remaining behind is dead, and so let the dead bear their own dead. So, um, but the but the crux of the of the reason he tells the story is is that like um, you're you're put to a question of you know Jesus or or God is directing you to go do something, and you do have to make a decision. And do you have any? But first, but first, I need to attend to this thing. But first. I'm going to achieve this thing, but first I'm going to focus on this, and then I will do the thing that God is pointing me to do or that Jesus is is asking me to follow him in doing. And so uh, to, I think, uh, Nathaniel's initial question, do you have any uh, do you have any but firsts? Does anything jump to mind? So I think about this in, uh, like, the guy's calling was so clear, and I don't know that, that folks – uh, nowadays feel as if their mm. thing, because like G- when he said follow me, he meant both in the metaphorical capacity and like physically, we're leaving. You come with me, <laughs> you know what <laughs> right, I'm right, right. And so like this, the the stage was already set for the guy, and he and he knew what all that meant. And it seems like most people, like if I were to sit down and talk to most Christians, I would say, well, what does God have you doing? Mm. And and uh, most of them probably don't have much of an answer. You know, like they don't. They're like, I don't, I don't know. You know, and and there's caveats, right? Because you're like, look, not everybody's going to be a Moses and a Daniel, right? Some people are just going to be sheep in and sheep out. But the question usually boils down to, did like, did you ask him? 
did you ask him what he wanted you to do or what he had for you? Like, did you spend any time at all discussing it with him? Or you're just like, look, God will show up with a big hot air balloon and a sign and tell me, you know, to, to point me in a direction. I do wonder if that's if that's right, though. Like, he did not know anything else, really, except for Jesus saying, follow me. Right? Like, think of how varied the next three years is going to be in Jesus's life. I, I don't know that he actually knew. He just knew that he the same thing that, you know, uh, Peter knew. And uh, what do you mean? You think the guy didn't know that uh, it would mean like leaving town with him when he leaves? Uh, or or he it may mean leaving town with him when he leaves, but I don't know if it like do you know does he know what it actually means to follow him? Well, that's even better. Path? Like it's a, but it's a clear direction, right? Like you're saying, hey, come with me to the store. Yeah, you know, like you're like, okay, I can make a decision because I know what's going to happen next. We're going to go to the store. Yeah, but if you say, be with me, friend, like you're like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Like, yeah. like always, or like when you're sad, or I, I don't understand completely what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Or like, I mean, is that a language language thing between or cultural thing? Or like, like just follow me? Obviously, mean from coming from a rabbi that like oh, yeah. you will be my student now. It was it was a clear kingdom talk going on yeah. there. Yeah. Come 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 be part of my community and my, and my kingdom and and follow me I mean, i'm your rabbi let me be your teacher yeah um, so so the question is is like one do people in general like feel like they know what god is asking of them apart from the normal view of just obedience not in in, in i don't the, think people know that yeah I, and i, I don't church no really no yeah. i mean i think the church has screwed this up the yeah. last 50 years or so mm-hmm. We've called them to a conversion moment. We've called them to a prayer, to a squeezing of a hand, to a raise, you know, say how do you do at a concert, and not to repentance and and not to obedience. And and uh, uh, we we've 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 it's our fault. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's right. And mm. I guess I, I would I would ask why why would you even separate those out? Why do I have to ask what does God want me to do separate from the clear biblical calls to obedience? Because I don't know that that's not what Jesus is asking, right? Yeah. Like, like it could. I, I don't. I don't know that those that I would have to. That I feel like you have to separate those things. Next, yeah, I mean, John the Baptist running around preaching a kingdom of repentance and baptism of repentance, and, and and he was paving the way. And Jesus basically took the reins and said, "Yeah, let's keep going." I, by the way, the kingdom's right here. It's yeah. right here. Yeah, let's do this. Oh. And, and so, from the complaint line, it's a comparison between because in that same chapter we were talking about uh, the centurion. And like the way that the centurion views, like like he was set up to have no ties, right? Like on purpose because ties were a distraction, right? Centurion could not have a wife. Yep. So anyway, the complaint line says, um, maybe with the man that was that maybe the the dad that was maybe dead, maybe alive, uh, was treating following Jesus as if Jesus was a centurion. In one of the previous stories, we talked about how the centurion couldn't have a wife, so he had no distractions, no ties. But Jesus doesn't ask for no ties. In fact, he sort of insists upon them, because if you don't have ties, how can you share the good news? Jesus doesn't say no ties, just put him before those ties. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I think that's right. I think that's right. And so, and, and, and it's a good point, too, because I think oftentimes the starkness of what Jesus said is um, you do have to let him be a teacher. Like even even pastorally, you say a very clear thing, and it's the thing that people remember. Are there are there nuances and caveats, and does it have to fit within a grander narrative? Yes, but do you remember the thing where, if if pressed between like that that the king d- does demand fealty, and it does and uh, prominence in your life, um, and so so yes, I actually I think that's right. I think that's a right right thought. And so but but so I round it back though. 
do you, Nathaniel, how did this hit you? Did you have a reaction to thinking about, do I have a, but first God, I want to do, I'm going to do, I have to do this. Yeah. It kind of circled back around to what we were talking about last week with, uh, the spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Uh, and just being disciplined in general, where I, uh, said that usually when I'm on a, uh, a path of discipline that I'm disciplined in, multiple areas at once and when i'm not everything falls apart and yep. i'm disciplined in nothing at all but usually when i'm uh being disciplined it's, it's in one area or a different one where i'm you know being disciplined uh i don't know like more specifically like i'm delving into into one specific area more than the others yeah and so like i i feel like it Right now, there are certain things where I'm like, okay, I'm trying to, you know, accomplish this specific task. And then once I get that done, then I'll really, you know, delve into uh, growing deeper or 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 reading with more. Um, uh, what's the right word? Like intentionality. Yeah, intentionality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, at, like not just to read uh, and take things in uh, as they hit me, but like if I don't understand something to study. Uh, right, right. Yeah, Ben and I were talking this, about this on Sunday. Where, uh, like, if something, you know, uh, uh, in the recent past, if something, if I come across something, I'm like, oh, you know, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I guess I'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a doofusy way to read the Bible. <laughs> and yet, I do it. I do it because I say to myself, someday I'll have time when I'm not working on all these other things that I'm trying to be disciplined in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is, which is real dumb. Yeah, yeah. But that's my butt first. Yeah, I think actually mine was – as I think about it, mine is is similar is if I think of some very basic and clear calls upon my life uh, and, and that uh, interact with how I order my day or what I do first. This goes back, uh, Mike, to, the, to what you were saying last week, which is around um, – your, your wife saying like why do you, why do you allow your, your work to dictate when you get up in the morning, Yeah, right? Um, why do I allow my work to tell me when I'm going to stop reading, whether I have time to read my Bible in the morning, whether I have time to pray with my wife in the morning? Um, now those are, it's kind of, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the, the honoring your parents. I have responsibilities with my job. It lacks integrity to not work when I'm supposed to be working. Those things are both true, but like I have basically allowed that at times uh, or or on the front end not gotten up early enough or whatever um to say okay let me take care of this stuff first and then i will go do the stuff that god wants me to do now like i don't think you have to do, do the big prayer early in the morning i don't think you have to read the bible in the morning those are this it interacts with the thing but like in general if i don't get some of that stuff if i don't do it kind of first thing i'll lose it i won't do it the rest of the day, I won't come back and do it. And like all the other good and awesome things that are in my, my life, my relationship with my wife from my relationship with my kids, my responsibilities as a person, person in my community, pastor, whatever, like even, even pastoral study, um, to the extent that it, that it, I do that and go, God, I'll get to the personal prayer time eventually. But like, I'm, you know, I'm on the hook for this, but like, I, it's not quite what he's, I, that doesn't feel like I'm putting the follow me first, even though some of those things are part of following him, that's why I think this gets a little bit murky. Um, but I, but I do, I do at least have a gut feel that um, 
um, but my life is not ordered correctly um, and doesn't reflect what I know to be relationally positive with God in the right priority, I will allow other things to overtake that. And so I'm saying, yes, God, I'll, I'll pray, but, but first I'm going to make oatmeal for the children or something. Yeah, I think maybe mine's probably along the same lane, but like the follow me part is what sticks out, right? Like, I don't know that, like, I'll say, but first I'm going to go do this. I want, I want your opinion on it. Like I want God to say, yes, this is good. Or yes, this is bad. Um, but not so much like we're walking, like I'm behind him following what he's doing. We're just going to walk parallel paths and I'll look over at him every once in a while and say, just, are, are we still, am I in the right direction? You know, opposed to, you know, I, look, I was considering doing this or, you know, what's going on in my life. I'm going to do this thing. Um, is this, a, do you want me involved in this? Right? Like, what do you have for me to do? Like, am I just following where you're going and asking you? what I should be doing next or just flat out doing it and then just checking in every once in a while. And like, that doesn't seem so bad really. Cause like God gave us a mind to work. Um, but like coming up on our feelings thing, right? Like you, you can easily, easily be deterred based on how you feel, what you think, like information that you got that might not have been great, like all these things. And so like, like mine's probably um, just for me personally, I just feel like I would like to spend more time like follow, like asking Asking yeah. before I do a thing, right? Yeah. Like, and I, I think a lot of that is I, I know that, like, we probably said it a thousand times. There's nothing holy about getting up in the morning, firing out some prayers, you know. But like, it certainly ain't unholy. And what a great way to start your day, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really just think it's a, it's. But first, I have so many other time commitments. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all these things, and I'm not willing to cut any of them. And whatever's left of the day is what I can offer. You know, and so like that, that seems way out of bounds, way out of, about of bounds, out of line, out of proportion, right? Like he just, I just feel like the, the first fruits go to him. And I, I've just, I've never been great at that. I've, I've always, he's always gets whatever time I get. I get left over from all the other things. So like, unfortunately, I think my but first thing is literally everything else. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. I, I don't know. say that my but first moment is that there's no way God is asking me like more than just the obedience stuff until I'm a better person. <laughs> oh, but first let me be a better yeah, person but, but and then I'll do your stuff. Let me figure this out because I've convinced myself there's no way God God picks me for his baseball team. Okay? Like I'm it's 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 PE and I'm on the sideline like there's no way God picks me. No way. And so I think to myself, okay, if God wants me to be doing stuff for him and calling out his name, it has to be like when I'm better, like, because I couldn't possibly represent him in any way, shape or form. Like I can not to say that I'm responsible for being his PR guy. I'm trying to do God a favor by going, you don't want me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to screw this up. Royal. Yeah, well, just like, God, I understand that you're perfect. And like, I'll never be good enough, but like, you just trust me. You don't know. You don't want me on your team. Yeah, the grace is enough. I'll take the grace. Yeah, I'll take I the grace. I thought that was really generous. Yes, thank the, you, The Lord. grace and mercy part. That was really awesome of you, and I, tr I trust that there's no situation in which I am at a net negative with you because I will always be that because of who you are. It's not something I can earn. You are – You are. I, it is impossible for me to earn what you're giving, and I, I accept that. I accept that, and I appreciate that, but that doesn't mean that you should pick me for your team. I'm thankful I'm not getting kicked to the curb, 
Yeah. But I think that's that's what I believe is the best for me is I'll accept God's grace and his forgiveness, but I could not possibly represent him out in the field. Yeah, I don't know if I should be like the salesman of this operation. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's like it's I believe God can redeem everything. I just don't believe that I'm good enough for the redemption. I think that's legit. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that's been hitting me recently has been like I'll be obedient to you and try and figure this out to be to to accept your grace and to understand uh, your glory and to, to glorify you for who you are, but like in the quiet, because I can't imagine a situation where you'd want me to be the one that's, that's on your team. Yeah. I don't know why. And this is, this is a legit struggle, like for a lot of people. And I would put myself in the same boat. Like you are so thankful to get back to the yeah. net neutral, Yeah, you know, that like I, I've done so much and like, I continue to fail. And God's like, I don't even see you this way. And you're like, I don't know how that's possible. I believe you've gotten me to the net neutral. Right, yes, yes. Right? There's no way I'm saying that your grace don't exist. But like the fact where he goes, and I want to bestow the gift of prophecy on you. And you're like, no, uh, I'm not in a gift receiving time of right. life. You right? can cover my sin and you can get me to a place where I'm not positive or negative. But there's no possible situation where you have the power to take someone like me and turn it into a positive. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, right. It's interesting because sometimes the, um, the people's butt first is like, I, I won't, I don't want to accept your rescue because I'm not good enough. And like you would, we would be very firm against that. Like that's the wrong way to, yeah, even right. logically, it's the wrong way to think yep. about it. Right. But then the rescue, the rescue exists and you accept it. And now the butt first is okay. But now let me clean myself up for your service, which is which is crazy, right? Because the promise was never just the rescue. It's it's that is right. not uh, theologically correct. The promise was always adopted as sons. The promise was always lifted up, right? And the promise was always and and <laughs> and and he showed up more than anyone ever expected. In all situations where there was a covenant set, God showed up and 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 even more. Every time that there's been a situation in which I've prayed for something and God has answered it, it has always been more than I could have imagined. I was asking for too little because I thought that I only – I mean, I de- thank you. I don't deserve your grace and your mercy. You give it to me anyway. If I could just get like a buck fifty, I'd appreciate that. And God shows up and he goes, no, you're going to get this, and I'm going to overflow what you've done because you, you don't even ask the right things. And I'm a good father, and I'm going to give you more than you could even imagine. Yeah, so like we panhandle for rescue, and then we panhandle in service. Yeah, when the when the when the king is offering much more than that, and so yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Some people's butt firsts are, let me go live the life. I think you're going to take something away from me, and so let me go to college. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let me do the stuff that I'm going to do, and then I'll come back and I'll settle the family thing, and I'll find a lovely lady, and then I will go back to church and I'll do the things. Some people's butt firsts are like. Because they want to be a butt first, right? So, like, there's that. And then, but interestingly, in the Christian realm, oftentimes we're not, thank you, thank you, oftentimes our hesitance uh, is is a lack of feeling worthy for service, which is which is so interesting, right? Because our service to God in his kingdom is largely a demonstration of him anyway. Yep. Right? And so it's a willingness problem. It's a, in our fallibility, I, I trust that God will use this for good. Um, and so just so you didn't have to polish yourself up for the redemption, you don't have to polish polish yourself up for the work of the kingdom. Uh, God will God will sanctify as he goes, um, totally. But like, um, so yeah, I, that's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting because that's generally not the tenor of it, but the but first is, well, is um, 
help me help make myself in a in the best situation to serve you in a way that I believe to be best. You know how much of a robbing that is too, right? Because like it's hard to get. I wouldn't say that you're excited for the redemption, right? Like I'm wowed by it. I'm yeah. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that that exists, right? But I'm never like super excited for the redemption I've been given. What I'm super <laughs> excited about is the stuff that God's going to do or that I get to see that God gets to do. And like we really downplay that. You know, like you're like, look, when we talked about the Holy Spirit being like this crazy friend that picks you up on Friday night in a car that don't belong to him and going to an unknown location with a with no plan that's he's half telling you what's going to happen, but not the whole story. And so you're like, I I'm so riveted and excited by whatever this journey is going to look like because this is going to be so awesome. And we don't ever, like, buy into it because we're so caught up on the grace and the redemption and how bad we are and how much damage we probably have caused and how great God is forgiving it. Or he's like, yes, and, and but, we have more. You know, let's let's do that. And, like, we end up, like, doing nothing, right? Like, the, you look at the 80-20 in the church most of the time. The 80 is either lazy or like they just got no room bandwidth to be excited for what the Holy Spirit and God is, is saying, look, I I invited you to way more than this, right? Will you just spend some time with me so we can talk it over and we can figure it out? And like you can go and like cause some holy trouble mm-hmm. and see some action. And like we just, it feels like we're just either in, in comfortability land or or say like, I, I got the grace. That has to be enough. The grace has to be enough because anything more than that, I certainly don't deserve. I didn't deserve the grace. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, hey, hey, maybe you got something. Uh, Does Dan have one? Dan, did you have one? Man, I was sitting here trying to think, you know, and I'm almost the, the flip side of, of the coin. My, I'm, the, I'm my own worst enemy and then I just do everything. I just, I just like my little lost puppy hopping mm. around following every voice, you know, and, and so, I mean, there's no, uh, to, to the point I'm a detriment to myself. I sleep like four hours a day and I, you know, it's like, cause I just, I have so much I want to do. There's so much, so much to do, you know, and, and I could probably be way more efficient if I would just shut up, you know, and sit down and listen, you know, you know, mm-hmm, get some mm-hmm. honest direction and, and, and <laughs> oh, I just okay. want to do everything. Right. You know? So the picture of, Hey, follow me. Some people are saying, yeah, but let me do this first. Dan's the guy like running ahead where Jesus is like, wait, yeah. Dan, Dan, you weren't even <laughs> taking a left I'm there. I'm not Dan. going there. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, hey, hey time, brother. That's, that's, I've got people over there, Dan. I don't which, need you which, there. Which honestly, like, it, like it's, it's refreshing, right? Because that could be just as much of a wheel spinner as yeah. doing nothing, right? Like you could literally expend every energy you had and God's like, if you'd just taken the right, like I wanted, I tried to tell you about taking the right and yeah. you were so busy balling out there doing lefts that like, I'll send somebody else. But seriously, Dan. Turn, listen to me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just interesting because, like, culturally, there are far less precocious balls of gospel fire com- <laughs> compared to people sitting on the sidelines going, well, I'm going to do this first, or like, ah, I'm probably not going to do anything at all. <laughs> Can we get that on a T-shirt? Precocious ball of gospel fire? <laughs> I think it's sell. Yeah, yeah. You can do the tattoo, Dan. I, I mean, won't I mean- trademark <laughs> I would love to Come be back, the, Dan. <laughs> the, the Apostle Paul guy, you know, who, who goes from town to town and just doesn't have a home and just keeps going. Yeah. But he's so much smarter than me. See, because I didn't take the time to, like, you know, become a Pharisee first or whatever. You know, whatever. Right, I mean, right. That's he's, where he's you messed up, guy. Dan. <laughs> What's that? I said, that's where you messed up, Dan. Well, I mean, you, you should know. spend the first 40 years becoming a Pharisee. <laughs> 
I mean, I study, but I, I'm not that guy, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm just not wired that way. And then I frustrate myself, and then I'm. I so then I just get more active and more. You know, I just I'll, I'll compensate overcompensate by like, well, if I join 17 groups, uh, right, that'll right. make up for the fact that I can't, you know, do whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I don't know. I'm it's 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 just the other side of the coin. Yeah, Dan's it's still the other way. And, it's extremely funny to me because like like when we like we'll do 24 seven prayer rooms, right? And you'll go in there and you'll pray for an hour and you're like, this is so refreshing, right? And then you'll be like, I got to get another hour. And then, and then like you spend quality time in there and you're like, man, this is so great. As you sit there and look at this opportunity that exists every day of your life, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. As you go, uh, man, if someone would just corporately put on a 24 seven prayer room, <laughs> I could pray like this, <laughs> you know? And like, it, it's so weird because you're like, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm in tune with what God is doing. I feel the, I have the presence of God in my life. I'm asking him questions. I'm waiting for answers. I'm reading my Bible. I'm worshiping. And then as soon as the prayer room concludes, you're like, well, back to the grind, <laughs> you know, and like <laughs> as if it's not a possibility in your day to day life. An hour probably is aggressive. But like, tell me you got more than 10 minutes in it in the regular day, right? Like 10 minutes in, you're like, OK, God, you know, I got responsibilities here. We talked a bit. You'll hit me up if, if it, everything's cool. I'll see you later. Bam, I'm out. You know, and like what a. That's just a, a solid miss as I talk to the group and talk to myself. Like, it's just a yeah. – what did it make any sense? Based upon how much YouTube we take in collectively from last week's conversation, the uh, – hey, I get real antsy about seven and a half minutes of praying like, oh, boy, I feel like I got to get yeah. moving on to whatever other things. YouTube awaits. <laughs> yes, and we, and, we, and we talk and talk and write like, look, we don't want to be all religious about this, about saying you got to do this and this. Well, why don't we err on that side for a little while? Why don't we just try it out? Why don't we be super religious about it and be like, look, man, you need to be in there for 45 minutes every day. Let's see what kind of fruit comes out of that tree. Yeah. Instead of being so afraid that we might accidentally look like a religious jerk from 50 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. maybe we should just land on the side of, you yeah. know what? Maybe they had an idea. That's a good point. Like for some like because some guy measured a pant length on a pant length on a 40-year-old woman 40 years ago and caused a real hustle about it. Yeah. We're, we're trying not to be too dictatorial on, "Hey, you should probably pray for a bit today, friend." Yeah. Okay. I, and here's the Ooh. thing, it's like I know it's hard to find, right? Like you think it's hard to find, but you'd be amazed at the, at the things you could cut out of your day that don't even need to be there. They're not life-giving. They're not peace-altering. They're just there. And, like, you're like, but this is behavior that uh, I feel like a Christian should have. Yeah, but maybe God said, that's not the behavior I want you to have, right? Like, I cut it. Cut it out. You're done in the in the Kiwanis. You're out. You're done. It takes up too much of your time. You need to start praying. Stop Kiwanis. You're like, but I meet people. I spread the gospel there. Jesus goes, I know. Stop it. I need you talking to me and sending me, sending you to places where I have for you. And like I, I, I never do this, and yeah. I find it like so logically ridiculous that I don't know how I continue to do it. Yeah, I, I went to uh, Kentucky last week to uh, without asking God. Continue. Well, it was for a board <laughs> meeting for Hippo Valley Christian, <laughs> uh, the orphanage I work with, and I, and I wrote out a schedule. Uh, you know, the last second, the guy goes, "Hey, you should write out what you're doing." You know, just I mean, okay, whatever. And I, and I made this list, and it's just like, holy crap! I mean, like I'm going, I, I, I'm. I'm traveling all over the place for him. I'm going to California here this fall and uh, Nashville. I'm going to Minnesota. I've been uh, several places. You know, I'm just, and it's like, like, well, I'm also like have a church here. Right? Yeah. You know, so I'm doing that. And like, depending on what page I'm on, it's like, I can pour myself 
150% into, into it, but then you can't do it all. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I can, I don't sleep. I'm just like, we needed a truck. So we've raised a hundred grand. It's like, how the heck? I'm not that guy, but, yeah. but, but you know, but still at some point I can't do everything. I, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm making sense to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my brain just, the wheels are just fire and you know what I, and I'm like, I could probably be more productive. Yeah. If I, if I like trimmed something here and something there and, 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 I usually wait till I implode and then I shut down for a month and I'm like, okay, then I build back up again. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. 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 Well, I, and these, and those are a lot of times those are key opportunities. Uh, like, like it can't be that, uh, when Dan's sick for 10 days, all the balls fall out of the air. Right. Yeah. So like creating other people to throw balls in the air. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Because like they're all, they're all awesome balls. They're all right, right, right. things to have going yeah. on. They just and can't all be on Dan. Fortunately, I have a team of people that can preach. I got all these people covering here. Yep. You know, while I'm gone, and, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and I built depth in the team, the Zimbabwe team this year. So like, there's different people doing different things. Yep. Uh, and it's like I, but yeah, that's what I say. I mm-hmm. still. And then it hits me that last week, like, well, crap, I didn't really need to go back to spending a day a week with my grandson. Because mm-hmm. what's your greatest ministry? But your your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> So I scheduled that out for the next month, and I was okay. Here's okay. my day, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So if I come in, my head's blown up some days. It'll be that, and, and I did it, you know. And yeah. I, but it's like just righteous, self righteous, you know, or something. I don't know. That is the, that is tough, right? Because like, I mean, you look down How the do line, you you're no? like, these are good, these are good, these yeah. are good. Yeah, yeah. I think what we're talking about, just to keep it in a mind of of accurate, right? Like it's a skill, not a talent. Right, you're not born nailing this. Yeah. Right, like you're gonna. It's a, it's a it's a discipline to get yourself in it. And like I, I I've seen it bear fruit, like amazing fruit in people's lives. Right, where they where they just start spending time with God. And like you can't do too much of it. You can certainly do too little. Right, but you can't do too much. And I think that once again, I think we always err on the side of like, is God going to be mad if I didn't read my Bible today? Well, no, it's ridiculous. But like you also missed out on hanging out with the God of the universe for X amount of time today. And so, like, you should be slightly bummed. And you're not going to be because it's a skill, not a talent. At the first couple swaths, you're not used to it. You're not used to God talking to you. You're not used to having any type of spiritual conversation with God through prayer or or Bible reading or whatever. And so, like, yeah, it's going to not hit you right off the bat. But, like, it's, it's a conversation that he wants to have. And, like, I we just continually dance around it or set up classes or set up acts of service. And like, I just feel like that's the main thing. Like if everybody was doing that individually, like preaching would totally be uh way more beneficial to everybody, right? Like you get to walk in and go, I've been talking to God all week. I wonder what Dan, what, what God's been talking to Dan about mm-hmm. and like go, wow, it was funny. Cause I was just reading blah, blah, blah on Tuesday. Like, that's not what happens. Like everybody shows up, you have to regurgitate whatever you talked about last week. No one brought any thoughts to the table today. You know, they're just like, how's the family doing? How have you been busy? Your car broke down. Great. Let's get through First Peter and let's take communion and go. Right. But like, can you imagine what like a body of believers where everybody was talking to God at the same time, what that freaking looks like, like what that community gets done? Yeah. The last time folks did that, uh, as far as uh, the biblical record shows, the Holy Spirit showed up with fire and tore the place up. Right. Like, and these are things that God said, uh, look, I'm not done doing these. Right. This is the type of thing that I want to do in you. And like, it doesn't have to be like this weird hippie commune that you have in your head. It just has to be regular living, spending time with Jesus and going, hey, I'm trying to follow you. What's that look like for me today? 
Yeah. Yep. All right, you're listening to Life from the Path. If you got anything to share on the Life from the Path, uh, formerly RC Cola, now currently still Bob Eisenhower Complete Line, mm. it's 515-517-0085. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, hear your thoughts on... Uh, but first, yeah, see what you have. Uh, so we were talking just before, uh, let's see, at the start of the show here about this uh, born again experience. Can you be born again without feeling it? Uh, first of all, would we say born again, Booba? What do we mean? Born again is in born uh, from your baptism, dying to the world, and being born again for yourself. Yeah, or for Christ. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, it's a Christian term. Uh, so. Yeah, it's it's what uh, Jesus says this to uh, old Nicodemus. And, uh, yeah, it's like your, your life begins again, uh, this time in the kingdom of God and, uh, to never, to never die. And so, uh, the, the article kicks off evangelicalism has always emphasized the necessity of personal conversion through a born again experience in which the Holy Spirit supernaturally changes a person's heart. From the 18th century to the present, many evangelical churches have required a personal testimony of conversion as a prerequisite for church membership. And most of the time, this involves a personal experience of divine transformation. But what happens if someone doesn't have this kind of transformative experience? What if a person believes not because of any perceived religious encounter, but simply because of a reasoned conviction about the truth of God's declaration? Are such individuals really saved? And if so, can they still consider themselves Christians? So let's let's start there. Would you describe your what you look at and say is my kind of conversion experience? Did it have... Uh, some sort of significant emotional event related to it. No. No, mine did not. No. Yes. Booba's did. Dan, you're no? I'd say no. Okay. Nathaniel? No. Okay. All right. Booba's yours. <laughs> I was not expected to be the odd one out of this one, to be honest. <laughs> you're a Christian cuddle bug. What happened? I'm a Christian cuddle bug. Uh, I was sleeping with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, and we were living in the basement of my brother's house. And I had not been to church for a bit because I was very angry at him about the loss of my parents. Um, and that morning I woke up for no reason uh, early on a Sunday morning, uh, which which did not happen very often. I'm, I'm a creature of uh, sleeping most of the morning through. Yep. Um, felt this call from God saying that I needed to uh, talk to him and it was time for us to meet. Um and that uh, uh, he wasn't coming to my house. I had to come to his. How did you know? Would you say that? How did, I know. How did you know? I know. It was just a, just a it sense. Just like it, it, I, it is one of the most <clears throat> sure things I know mm-hmm. is that a lot of times when it comes to the stories that I've told and the things that I've, I've pushed, uh, uh, I tend to sensationalize. In what? Stories. What? Uh, <gasps> I mean, I can not talk if you guys want me to discuss. Um, I tend to I tend to sensationalize only because um, uh, growing up, like it was just it was hard for me to feel like I was seen, and so I would turn to very like ridiculous storytelling, and that was my way of feeling like I had a presence. And so that has stemmed from a lot of stuff for me. But one of the only things that I know for certain that I did not uh, hyperbolize, that I did not sensationalize, that I did not change for was the fact that I knew God called me to His house that morning. And I showed up to the church, and I sat in the back, and I was preached to about Esther, uh, and I can't remember any other part of that, um, but I was bawling my eyes out in the back of the church auditorium 
feeling like I was running from him and it was time for me to come home. And I went up, I think, to you guys, actually. I think you guys were the first ones I told and told you that, hey, I think it's time for me to get baptized. Uh, I, I think God's telling me it's time. And I think I'm finally broken to the point that, like, there's no way I can do this anymore without him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll die. I'll be dead in a year, guaranteed. And I don't want to follow down that path. And I want to mean something to somebody. And I want to actually uh, accept the grace that I know God was giving me in the moments that I didn't feel like I deserved it the most. Yep. And so I got dunked. And uh, I remember the water pouring out all over the place. Uh, and getting a hug from uh, a guy named Joe. And then I drove home, uh, sopping wet, and went downstairs to my girlfriend that was sleeping in bed at the time, and I said, good morning. And she asked me why I was wet, and if I drove into a river or something. I said, no, I think I gave my life to Jesus just now. And she goes, okay. (laughs) And I went, I don't think we can be dating anymore and sleeping together uh, in the same bed. And she goes, okay. I said, unless you want to give your life to Jesus, I think we have to break up. And she goes, I don't want to do that. And I was like, I had a feeling you were going to say no to that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I need you to realize that, yeah, we're done. I can't I can't stay with you anymore. Uh, I, I got to make some changes. And I broke up with her, and I drove her home. And uh, That had to have been back. an awkward drive home. Yeah. Uh, she told me that she was only dating me because I scared her stepfather. And uh, he had stopped beating her since I dated her. But she thought I was ugly and fat and gross. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just the way you said that. <laughs> Mike, what part of me saying a, I don't know. A, a girl broke my heart? No, I know. I'm sorry. I, said, I tried to apologize. By, by hitting me I in, can't in help the it. most You're like, raw places I could have possibly And she hit. said, I'm ugly, fat, gross. <laughs> like, just, just so matter no, of fact. Yeah, no, it's totally funny story. Funny end of that story. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I told it that way for a reason. Um, yeah, so that was that was the day that I gave I mean, my life to Jesus. I mean, that's the thankful it came out, right? What? Wouldn't you want to know? That that's what well, that's the relationship no, I would, that you in. Very much rather not. I know feel that. like you'd rather like know. The, the relationship was ending. I was not going to go back to it. I did not need to know that she thought I was gross. Oh, the entire no. time that we were together. No, but you didn't know the relationship. She uh, presumably she thought that the day before and hadn't brought it up, and so this this is a catalyst for goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, agreed. But I've been broken up with many times, and they didn't call me gross, fat, and ugly. Yeah, like, but I kind of yeah. just ended where they were like, I don't think this is working out. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was yeah. the the constant was me being gross, fat, and ugly in all those relationships too. So like, you know. Well, what, what I think is fascinating about the story, although the you know gross fat and ugly is is, is yeah, thanks, quite fascinating, is is the the backstory of what God did to make that happen. Oh yeah, I mean all the the quite the coincidences. Uh-huh. Like there was a portable baptistry that was brought to the school like twice. Yep. I mean, uh, it just happened to be that day. And that a baptistry happened to be there, yep. And, yep. and all of the things that led up to that becoming a portable baptistry yeah. that we had. And we didn't plan and, that out. There I mean, no, no, no. You and I hadn't spoken in months. I, I, I mean, don't think. Like, like, obviously, which confirms to me that God was obviously speaking to you because yeah. yeah. he was he was doing stuff. Yep. And 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 uh, yeah. So that's kind of cool to uh, is be in the front row of so many stories where where where, where God's just moving to the backgrounds of people's lives. Uh, it's just so fascinating and and. I don't know how people get burned out in ministry because it's just like it's just a fascinating life. That's why that goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, it's yeah. like I mean, I could do it all day. I wish I just didn't have time to, to sleep because I could just loved. I love yeah. every second of it. It, it. It's so cool to see God working, and as crazy as the world is, He is working in people's lives still today. 
Yeah. And now, and it wasn't anyway. my work that I was doing, and it wasn't he. He wasn't matching up with the he things that I was that. thinking. It was I just got ripped. Yeah. From from what I was doing, I was I was on my way to being dead soon. Yeah. And I was perfectly fine with that. So that's so that's that's a cool story, right? But it doesn't sound like anybody else in the room had a similar like emotional um, flashpoint moment. Well, I had a moment of confer- Okay, tell me about it. I mean, like you know. Uh, I was in fourth grade. So I was a young guy yeah. and, and had a stealing club, a steal all the time. And, and I was at my Sunday school teacher's grocery store stealing a, a, uh, uh, ice cream bar or sandwich, mm-hmm. ice cream sandwich. And I had it stuffed up in my arm and, 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 and she <laughs> acknowledged me as I was walking. Oh, hi, Danny. And I said, Hey, Mrs. Huberger. And, and I walked out the door and I thought, crap. And like, Everything changed. Like I, st- I paused on the on the window outside the door, and and it was just like God. I, and I never saw a thing again. You know, I was just like, I did you my life did you eat the ice cream bar? Of course. <laughs> Hold up. Hold up, real quick. Sanctification begins tomorrow. I, I said gross, fat, and ugly, and we get chuckle bus over here. But you say something like, "I had a stealing club." This is not the first time this has come up. Quiet. Yeah, I've talked about it. Right? We had to go to stores every day and steal stuff, and that's how we got Christmas presents. How many people were in like, the club, though, Dan? Two. <laughs> Nobody else was bold enough. <laughs> Never got caught. I, mean, I could have been a great thief. <laughs> But it was a definitely God moment. It was a it was, it was okay, a conviction yep. from God saying, "No, we're we're done with this." Yeah, it was like you calling know. you out from sin and saying, "Yes, that you're, absolutely." Yeah, it was like, yeah. "Here's a Sunday school teacher that for the last three years has been telling you how much I love you, and you you've been pushing it off." And it's like, "No, I I, re- I love you, mm-hmm. and I demand obedience." I'm like, "Crap!" Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and so that so that was a moment for sure. Okay, 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 sure. yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So, so then the question though is, is that if you, if you come to an acknowledgement of Jesus is king, God is creator, uh, and you in need of rescue, um, and, and Jesus is the only one who can do that through reason, you just, that's, these are the facts. You took in the facts and said, yep, that sounds, that sounds, I believe this, mm-hmm. uh, should you have any any concern that you didn't have an emotional moment related to that? No, I mean the the the, the master invites us to follow him, and we say okay. <laughs> Whether it was with right. emotion and gusto or okay, it's still following. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, come be fishers of men wasn't met with sobbing and oh yeah. lord, we've changed our entire I life. And worms. It's like, All right, I don't know, and maybe maybe this is not right, but I'm I was just thinking about it, but like the. The presence of God does feel a way. So, like, I, maybe it doesn't have to be tied to, like, your salvation story. But, like, if you've been legit following Jesus for 20 years and you don't, can't think of any time that you've interacted with the holy God and it's felt a way, I would find that slightly suspicious. Like, I don't have a—I I would say that, like, my, my salvation story, like, God calling me is not—was not in a big dramatic fashion. But I can look back over the last— 15 years of my life and say, well, we've had some moments though, <laughs> right? Like we've yeah. had some times yeah. when he's really grabbed a hold of me and said, that needs to stop. I want you to pay attention to me here. I know that you're not feeling peace and it's because you're, you're nowhere close to me. You need to make some changes and, and, and put this back as a priority. And like, I don't know that my salvation ever was that way. Like I didn't decide to get baptized because I had had like an aha moment. Like I got baptized because I, I'd always just never questioned that this was a problem. Right, that the God existed, and and I needed to to my salvation had to be paid for, 
And like, I, where else would I go? Right. It was just that straightforward for me most of the time. Now my life didn't reflect that. And so he refined through moments for sure, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, I, you know, I mean, if you don't have any refinement moments, I would say that's, that's probably weird in it. Yeah. Yeah. I expect God to be working actively in your life and there to be situations certainly that you see like that feel like there is, um, that you can point back to, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know, like, I think, I think where people get tied up and frankly, there's a risk heading the other way with this too, is that people feel something, uh, and they go, Oh, Oh, well, God has moved in me. Uh, yeah, that's Hillsong's entire ministry. Right. That's right. That's what, that's why we do the fogs and fog machine lights, right? Like we get you to feel a certain way about something, but like people don't tend to fog machine lights and then repent at the same time and acknowledge Jesus. They just like the way Jesus, what it sounds like Jesus probably looks at them. You find a cute guy cute because he said you were cute. This is our relationship with the savior in some of these situations. And so like, this is where we go back to the question of like, can your feelings be trusted? Um, and I think the answer is, um, they're always feelings are real. They're real things. Right. So it's, it's, but the question is, is that like, what are they saying to you? Like, they like feelings can be telling you a true thing. They can also be lying. And so it's an evaluation process is like just it, it, the, the right way to think of it. If you were to extend it out is just because you feel something doesn't mean that the situation that they're feeling is reacting to is true or accurate. Yeah, I'm sure there were times my daughters growing up maybe felt like I didn't love them very well. If they were some discipline right. or, or a stern moment. Uh, yes. But, that would have been inaccurate. Yes. Right. And, and right. marriages are rife for this, right? Like totally. we're like your closest relationship on this earth. And like just on a day, you can feel like that person doesn't even like me. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if I like that person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that was a, and that's just a feeling that you know is not accurate. Right. And but my poor wife is tormented all the time. She thinks everyone hates her. And, it, you know, you always have to be like, why do you think that? <laughs> why, that's why, what has brought you to this conclusion? Do I know it? You know, it's like, I'm pretty sure they don't. You, yes. You know, <laughs> right. So, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't trust that. Right. And it doesn't, it, but to, Mike, I think to your early question, it doesn't mean that your feelings can't be true. You can, you can't, but you, you basically have to, have, they need a second level. They need an evaluation of like, just because I feel this way, is it accurate? Just because, and it can be expressed in the positive. Oh, I think, I think I love this boy. Right. And then you think about like, I don't maybe I don't actually love him, but he does give me the tinglys. Okay, well, there's (laughs) put it into the box like that's like the feeling is real. Or I think I I think I um, I think I love this person. But really, you just hated so much a different situation with you're in. And this feels a little bit safer. It's not the same thing as love. You have you do have to evaluate feelings. So so just to reiterate uh, feelings are real. So like, don't ever dismiss that they're not real. The question is, are they, um, are they reflecting the situation honestly, or are they just one of the inputs into the situation and they do need to be evaluated? That's what I mean. The importance of a solid discipline of Bible study. I, I, I often have to correct myself with my emotions with mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Oh, God's mad. It's like, no, no, <laughs> no it's right. Like, this scripture says otherwise, right. you know, or whatever, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, you have to evaluate it with the correct tool. Yes, yes, that's right. So I think so. So to to, to roll it up, I I don't. It's you should not feel like because you didn't have some sort of conversion experience. I and I, that even sets it up wrong. 
It's a very Baptist question. Yeah. <laughs> right. That to even think that like there's a moment and then there's 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 a moment when you're not, and there's a moment when you are. Um, I think that stuff's bigger than you. I don't. I wouldn't hi- hyper focus on a moment. Now, it doesn't mean to to Bufa's story that God can't use moments. Totally can. Often does because sometimes we need flashpoints to force us to places of which we get comfortable and don't make decisions. Well, and I think it, it, to to comment on your your statement of like vetting through the emotions and and the feelings, I think that's incredibly important because as I look back, uh, the those feelings that I had, the elation that I had, the, the stuff like that, it was a reaction to. Um, a realization, something logical that had happened, and mm-hmm. what what that was for me was the first moment in which I felt like I deserved to stay. Like that was the first time it made sense to me that the world was not going to be bettered when I was gone, mm-hmm. and I didn't have this concept of permanence because like everything was falling apart. And so I thought, okay, it just makes logical sense for me to be the next bit of this that falls apart. Yep. Like right, like I'm the next one in line. For, for this 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 lack of permanence and this going away. And it was the first time that I'd ever truthfully felt like maybe that's not the actual deal. And maybe the, the situation isn't that things will be better once I'm gone. And I deserve to to be here and and it, it like I, I'm not I'm not I'm not taking away just by breathing. And God telling me that and reassuring me that in that moment of this this concept of like I want you in my house. I'm inviting you to my kingdom. I want you to exist forever with me. Yes. was the first time I felt like that was real. Mm-hmm. Because when God reveals a truth that you've had buried, that feels away. Right? Huge. Like when he shows up with the exact thing that he knows that you're thinking or that knows what you're dealing with and goes, yeah, I hear every bit of this. Right? You instantly go, okay, I'm 100% known. And God says, I see past every every inch of that. Right. That feels away. Right. Like that has a feeling associated with it. And so, like, I'm just I'm thinking over in my head because I'm very cavalier about feelings because most feelings get people in a lot of trouble, especially in youth group type uh, (laughs) teaching settings. Right. I'm just like, hey, man, you can't be just guided around by what you feel all the time. But like, I don't know. I don't know that I actually believe that. Right. Like I've had good and righteous feelings. I've had feelings of peace. I've had feelings of being enveloped by a holy God. Right. Like I have feelings that like when I have a. There's a feeling associated with, like, is God actually listening to me, opposed to just praying to nothing? Yeah, I mean, the, they're not mutually exclusive. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, I just, it's just, they don't, um, I, I just reiterate, like, they, they have to be evaluated. Right. Like, we have to say, is this, is this a trustworthy feeling? Because, like, I, I, it's not wrong. People do often make terrible mistakes based upon a feeling that often when when evaluated uh, in the next morning's light was not did not accurately reflect the situation right it's part okay think about it this way your feelings are part of the conversation yeah you should listen to yeah. them you should t- you should say oh that's interesting uh but it is not the only thing talking yeah they get a seat at the table well when yes. they get out of line you say yeah, look you, you're you're being ridiculous you have to vet through where they're coming from here's the yeah. deal uh, not to get too bad you know what feels great going to a strip club it's awesome it's cool. Like you're like, oh, 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 this is happening. Like this is real. And you know what feels terrible? Being there. And you go, oh, this is kind of gross. Mm-hmm. And the next morning you're like, oh man, I hate myself. Mm-hmm. I absolutely hate myself for this. Were those all feelings? Yes. Did I take them incorrectly? No. Because right. I had to vet through where is this happiness coming from? Yeah. Where is this you joy inspect the fruit? From? Where yeah. does yeah. my shame yeah. come yeah. from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, is exactly. repentance? You have well, to look no, there at was that. Not. Here's the deal. <laughs> I can get a lot of joy from a jelly donut. Don't get me wrong. Like I really can. <laughs> I also get joy from being in conversation with my wife and honoring her. 
those are uh, those are feelings that I can have of happiness and my heart feels full and I feel like I'm contributing. But if I vet through, did I get this little pop of happiness from the jelly donut? Yeah, I did. Did I get this happiness from from loving my wife? Yes, I did. They're both feelings, but that doesn't mean they can be trusted. But vetting them through and going, what's the source of this? What's leading to this piece? Is this honoring to God? Is this good for me? Am I tending my soul or am I breaking it apart with sin? Like all of those things have to be looked through in the correct lens to go, feelings can't be trusted on their own if they're not vetted out and looked through because you could feel great about anything and you could feel crap about anything. Yeah. Yeah, actually, and an unexamined uh, I don't want to this uh, this feels hyper technical. It's it, it's not. Don't don't think of it that way. It's just it's it's just a quick evaluation process. But like how often think of your key relationships where like we make bad decisions in key relationships based upon like a feeling like, oh, I feel like they're mad at me or right. I'm mad at this person. But really, if you'd have given it two seconds worth of thought, is it possible what you said? I'm mad at them. I'm having a rough go of it. And they were just the last person I interacted with. Right. There's just, it's just it's it doesn't mean you got to write all the things down all the time and be hyper technical about it. But you do have to ask yourself, where does this coming from? Yes. Is this accurate? Who I'm directing it at and what I'm feeling? Is it accurate? Because like the emotions can also get jumbled up like anger and sadness look a lot alike. Yeah. Right. Um, d- dep- depression um, can express itself in either one of those things as a defensive it's trying to keep people away from getting any further, right? And then you then you misunderstand your emotions. And so, frankly, this is why we end up talking to people for this kind of thing. So, like people whose job it is to listen to you and go, "Hey, you're playing racquetball and you got ten balls on the court and you think you only have one," and helping someone recognize that you're playing like you're whacking a bunch of balls around and not making the right distinction. It's very helpful to start seeing the world that way. And you also do the same thing with your thoughts, right? A thought comes in, and you go, yes. "That's no good." You know, like yep. you do this all the time. And so, like, there's no reason to say that, 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 like, it sounds odd to say, cause funny enough, like, I was just reading an article today and some lady said that forgiveness is a religious construct and it's, it's only born out of religion to keep people under control. And that's where, that's how I think of forgiveness as well. Yeah, yeah right. And so, like, like on its face, this is completely ridiculous, right? Right. But like the thought is, is that, uh, if people are not, especially in today's culture, open to evaluating their feelings and vetting them. Yeah, right, right, right. And seeing if they're seeing that they're legit. Like the fact that forgiveness is a construct to keep other people down um, couldn't be any further from the truth. Like harboring anger or resentment towards somebody, uh, you're the one carrying the weight, right? You're the one that has to carry around the anger and resentment. And like it weighs on you, not yes, on the other person. Yes, that's right? right. And so like – but but the thought that says hey you need to you need to vet and see if that anger or resentment is even correct the the modern thought goes well of course it is because i had it <laughs> oh oh i get it the thing that chains people down is the need for forgiveness yes not forgiveness in and of itself it's that that you would even consider that you would have to be forgiven yes or you have to give forgiveness to somebody else the fact that i would have to forgive somebody for the wrong that they did to me um there's no reason for that oh, right? oh, oh. i'm only doing that uh, because religion has taught me that I need to, not because it's for my betterment or for my overall peace. Which is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Right. That's peace ridiculous. is found yes. in the fact that I thought of it yep. and that I came up with it. And so like the best it's it's the thought that says the that like the the best version of me is the one that gets to fire out all my not even flaws, because they don't exist. I don't have any flaws. I just get to be me and I am flawless as my true self. Right? And like you don't have to be 
but three years old to know that that is a load of crap. Right. Right? Like you've met yourself. Even in your own best interest, you're an idiot. You know, even when you're out there just gearing the boat for your own selfish ways, you will still screw yourself yeah. by doing something stupid. Listen to this. Pastors, worship leaders, youth workers in the room are still going, I can't seem to prioritize the stuff that I want, that I desperately want, that I know I want, that I need, and still I either can't can't keep it under control or I can't seem to do it in the way that I want with any consistency. Yes. Yeah, and and like we obviously want it. Yeah. Yes. It's why people will continue to do things that bring them shame and then go, Yes, this is fine. I feel good about this. When that like that's a flat lie. You feel terrible about this. You're trying to mask it by saying you feel great about this. Yeah. Right? And so it. like if people what it, it's it's just such a, a ridiculous thought, which is why feelings are tough a tough conversation at the moment, is because like the thought is, is like because you had a feeling, it can be trusted. And like you don't treat your thoughts that way. You, and, and your feelings don't get that same – like they don't get a captain's seat at the table. They're just a participant in your overall actions. You know, it, it's interesting is through through the therapy that I've done and through the, the conversations that I've had with, with people that I trust when it comes to this kind of stuff to kind of – to right-size a lot of the, the things that I think about at all times, right? Like – being trauma informed, which I've used that that statement a couple times now, and I'm, I've really have latched onto it a lot. Like I look at my situation that I've gone through and look at the junk that I went through as a kid, and blah blah blah, whatever. Right? We all know it. Um, and in those moments, in that it, with that process where where it feels like everything's always on fire, like just because like I struggle to have even the base foundation of like I I. I deserve to be breathing right now. A lot of people don't deal with that kind of thought. Some people that are trauma uh, uh, people do. Um, for me, it, it turns into, well, everything's on fire at all times. Because if somebody doesn't text me back in a reasonable amount of time, I've obviously, uh, they hate me. They absolutely hate me. And there's no reason, why would they want me around anyway? I should just delete their number and I should walk away from them. Uh, like, it's ridiculous situations. I say all that to say that, like, some of the most important things that I've learned um, – are, are the vetting process of this stuff because nothing's on fire. Nothing is on fire. I can always press the brakes. Like there's no situation in which I, in my, in my right mind, when trauma responses are happening and when everything's on fire, the most valid important things for me are to go back to the very base of understanding of who I am, which is what God calls me and my identity. Those are my, those are my, my, my stop phrases, which are, here's the deal. Did I screw something up? Possibly. Does God hate me? No. Am I still his son? Absolutely. Can he forgive me for any of this? 100%. Am I inherently the worst person on the planet because of this situation? Probably not. And did I lose all of my worth in the eyes of everyone on this planet, including the creator of the universe? No. Well, if I can look through the lens of my feelings and say, all of that has to be true while I'm feeling this emotion. Mm -hmm. So where is it coming from? Where is it stemming from? Is it because I'm in a fearful situation because of the things that I've lost? Am I in a fearful situation right now where I'm acting out of anger or hatred or self-deprecation and loathing and destruction because I want to take control of this moment to go, well, if everything's going to go down in flames, I might as well be the one who lights the fire. So let's just friggin' bulldoze through it. And that breaking system where I go, no, none of that is true. So if I have to look at that and go, all of those things have to stay held that God still loves me. I'm still worthy of certain things that he calls me to be worthy from. 
great. What's going on with my brain right now? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling so depressed? Why am I feeling so worried? Where's my anxiety coming from? Why am I angry? Is my wife actually trying to leave me right now? Or did she just tell me that I did something the other day that made her upset? Logically, I probably did something the other day that made her upset, mm-hmm. and she's not actually going to leave me. And so that vetting process that we keep saying and that that concept of feelings have a seat at the table, but they're never the only voice. Mm-hmm. And they're most likely not the voice that you want to trust on its own. It's got to go through a filter that goes, what's the logical <laughs> thing happening right. here? What's what's the real thing happening here? And, and what's the truth of the matter? What does God tell me is true? And it, this is true for both like you individually and it's like if you have – uh, like the opportunity to counsel people in any way, not in like a professional setting, but right. Like if you're trying to sort through, people will always tell you this wild tale where the other person has acted in this completely <laughs> ridiculous manner. And, and like your first thought, this is where, this is where spending time like conversating with God. Like if you try to bring your own crap into this counseling or into understanding other people's problems, you're going to filter it through your own business. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. But like you hand this stuff over to Jesus you ask him for his eyes throughout the day, like you spend time vetting this thing out, getting your mess out of the way. Then when someone tells you this ridiculous story, you can go, I can tell you right now, their actions don't make any logical sense. Because there is logical sense to the way that people act. And what they did completely acted completely out of left field. Right. So I'm going to tell you something. They have way more going on. This ain't between you and them. This is between them and whatever they're dealing yeah, with. Or like, yeah, there's two options, right? Like either there's something else going on that's causing them to behave funny or there's something else that you're feeling right now that's causing you to represent it incorrectly. Yeah. Yes. And so like you so you can't you can't have peace on your own unless you're willing to start vetting these some of these things out and you can't help anybody unless you're willing to start vetting some of these things out. Yeah. And so like the pull is I know like it's the empath part where you're like hey man I just want to I want to I want to meet them where they're at, right? And like we say that phrase a lot and you can definitely do that. But but they're going to want to stay there. And you know they can't stay there. And don't even walk into it thinking that you want to help them stay there. You're not going to help them stay there. That's that. That's the whole thing. If I have to sum up our culture right now, it is I'm in the mess. I'm going to call the mess something. I'm going to glorify it, and then I'm going to stay here. As long as I can explain it, it's where I need to be because they feel the same way about their feelings. As long as I feel it, it's the most genuine version of me. Yeah, even, even like um, as Jesus talks about when you're going to mourn with someone – um, that mourning is a is a temporary thing, right? Like you you join them in the thing that they're in, um, and then there's a resolution to it, or at least um um a moving forward yeah. to it. Um, whereas a lot of people, when they like, hey, you're my friend if you're with me in the hard times, even if I want to live in in the hard times permanently. And that's no, that's like, that's a no. Yeah. And like, and that's the wrong way to define love. And that's where, again, we start getting into things like love and friendship. Even, um, we start misunderstanding. We start lead. I, when Boo was talking, can't be trusted by their own. I, it made me think of like this representative, uh, emotion character trying to get you in the corner. We're going, Hey, Hey, just to just talk about this away from the, everybody yeah, else. Just me and you, the logic, reason people, the yeah. Jesus guy at the table. Let's just, let's go in the corner. We got the real details. Come on. Yeah. 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 Let me tell you this thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you know the the one other thing I'll say this, uh, and then we can probably get, get to some advice on dear life in the path. But like, it'll never show up. It'll never show up on the death certificate. But people do die of bitterness. They do. Like they're they're we we the uh, the the death certificates only show you the last physical thing that happened that we said. Well, once that gave out, then then everything fell. But like, your your emotions are powerful things. Um. 
bitterness does start to like make its way through your physical body. Like we're way more intertwined than we think. And this has not been saying magical things. I'm just, I'm telling you like when you harbor, we were talking earlier about like forgiveness isn't just for another person. It is for you. Like that's how, how foolish that statement was that like, if you're, you're, if you're going to hold on to bitterness and resentment, like it'll start showing up in how you speak. It'll start showing how you take the world in. It'll start showing them how you physically feel and how well you sleep. How often do they go, hey, you having trouble sleeping? What are your stressors? It's an emotion attached to your physical body. And those aren't the only time those two things are connected. So if you buy that, if you buy the fact that emotional like stressors cause you to not physically sleep well, then I want you to be open to the fact that all kinds of emotions have physical impacts on your body. And so God's drawing you to forgive people. Even if they won't accept it, uh, at it's, it could be a healing for you. It's for you. Uh, it, it doesn't just have to have, even if someone, even if someone flat out rejects it, said, no, I, I don't even need your forgiveness. Okay. Well, the forgiveness was for me then so that I don't carry on burdens that don't belong to me. And I don't, bitterness doesn't put me in an early grave and make me ineffective in life because I'm spending the rest of my days on now this person hosed me like that. There's healing in that. And it does represent itself physically. And so, um, without getting all Eastern mystic on you. Like that's the thing. That's not Eastern mystic at all. Like not. that's straight Bible. Like God will bring that up to you as yes. you read through your Bible. He will put people in your mind and go, that's got to go. Yes. That's in the way. Yes. And so like, yeah, you want to talk about what that spending time with God means, whether it's prayer, scripture, worship, or whatever, like you want to hand that time over to God. He He doesn't waste the time. He will bring things to you that you need to, that need to go away or that need to like flourish or you need to spend time on. Like all those things, like he's he's a good dad who gives good gifts. I tend to get hit, Dan. I don't know if this happens to you. I tend to get hit when I'm studying for to teach. Like I sit down to teach. I pray before I teach mm-hmm. or before I start reading or whatever. And like a lot of times, uh, like Mike, uh, Emma, would my kids would would know this. Like I've like I thought I need to go apologize to one of my children <laughs> or reconcile like something. I've either handled it wrongly or they've handled it wrongly. But either way, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to sit there and read. And prepare for teaching the next day or something. If I needed to go do that go first, go with and your brother, then come back to the that's temple. Exactly right. Yeah. And God has done that. Like I find that it happens a lot. I think that's healthy. That, that shows. I mean, yep. it shows you're actively studying. You're not. You're not just presenting something. You're, you're right. It's, it's life change for you too. It's, it's, yes. It's, yeah. Agreed. We're, we're, we're disciples together in this journey, and you're discipling others. And and yeah, it, that would be disappointing if it never happened. Yes. Never hit you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, ready? Yep. Uh, just, uh, again, any feedback for us on that one? 515-517-0085 on the non-RC Cola. Bob Eisenhower complaint line. RC Cola. They're live from the past. My girlfriend, Jonna, and I have been together for 18 years. We live in a small community. About a year ago, a young single guy moved in next door. Jonna and, quotes, Aiden took an immediate liking to each other. This oh. is a trailer park. Go ahead. She's 64 and he's 35. Wait, what? Wait. I double down. Wait, uh, uh, <laughs> does she have cornrows? <laughs> no, it's J A N A, regular name. You think J A N A? Jana. Did quotes. Oh, got it. Okay. Wait, I, I've lost the premise now. It's it's. I'm starting, starting over. Girlfriend, ready? eighteen years. My girlfriend, Jana. So it's the girl that likes the thirty-year-old younger dude. Yeah, that moved to the trailer park. We live in a small community. (laughs) About a year ago, a young single guy moved in next door. Jonna and Aiden took an immediate liking to each other. Jonna's 64, Aiden's 35. 
Aiden is on permanent disability, has never had a job, and is heavily into drugs. He does odd things, like walking down the middle of the street, draped in blue lights, and sitting in the middle of the street. The police have been called on him so many times, he's, <laughs> almost, that kicked, odd? <laughs> he's oh. almost kicked out of the neighborhood. I don't think you could kick people out of neighborhoods. <laughs> he and Jonna were together all the time, calling, texting, talking in person. They don't meet so often now because we've had so many arguments about it. I was jealous in the beginning. Now I just don't like her hanging out with him. She still calls and talks to him, but now she does it only when I'm not around. There doesn't seem to be anything I can do about it. He's always outside walking in front of the house. It makes me very uncomfortable. I'd really appreciate any advice you can give me. Maybe get your own set of lights. How old is the boyfriend, did it say? I'm assuming they've been together 18 years. He's probably older, 55, 60. If you're, oh gosh, if also, you've been boyfriend, I mean, girlfriend for 18 years. Yeah. First off, that's an interesting situation. Yep. You've just yeah. been dating for 18 yep. years instead of tying any situation. Uh, you have expressed that uh, that Aiden makes you uncomfortable. The drug addict, 35-year-old disabled man in your trailer park community next door to you yep. that has almost been removed from the community for walking down the street in blue lights. I did this just a lot to unpack from, but like if if you've Express that, and Jonna just says, "Well, you know, shove off, buddy. I'm gonna hang out with Aiden, and I'm gonna call yeah. him when you're not around." Then, I mean, that's indicative of like it doesn't seem this like things worth. are going great in your relationship, regardless. Nope. Yeah, I mean, the highest level of uh, peak of your relationship is dating. Uh, then, yeah, some exciting dude with blue lights is gonna show up and take yeah. her away someday. Fifth wheeled on in. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now, she's doing drugs with him. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although you, he does sound quite attractive. Listen, even even people who do drugs with other people find those people untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. They're yes. rampantly paranoid. Absolutely. And like they only hang around them to do drugs. <laughs> yeah. Let's hang out in this gutter and do heroin together. I don't know if you've ever hung out with a drug addict, but but they're about as fun as getting hit in the face with baked bean pan, right? Like you're just like this is this isn't fun if you're the sober guy in the room. Yeah. And so, like, he doesn't have riveting conversation. He's probably itching himself all the time. And like, there's he's offering nothing but access to drugs. Yeah, you're 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 blind, friend. You know, Jonna seems like the kind of person who might actually own a baked bean pan. Maybe I do own all, only beans in this pan. <laughs> it keeps the corn out. I don't have that. What? Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, what's our advice to this guy? He wants some advice. You got it. It's time to get out. You should break up. Yeah. Yeah. You should absolutely break up. I'm just saying, if you're, if if you're, I don't know how invested you're in this relationship, seeing that you've drugged this out for 18 years with zero commitments, but if you community. you care about this woman, <laughs> uh, you need to ask her uh, if she's doing drugs. And obviously, the, I don't know how deeply you love this woman that you've let this pass, but I'm telling you right now, 100% stamp of approval, she's doing drugs she's with doing this drugs crazy with, blue yeah, light, yeah. man. Yes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Segular says, nothing will change until you get to the bottom of why your girlfriend of 18 years Continues to pursue this troubled neighbor. Could she be trying to, quote, rescue him? No. Does she feel motherly toward him and have a need to feel needed? No. Could she have a crush on him? Also no. I uh, Those no's were mine. I don't know. And neither will you until you calmly discuss this with her in such a way that she doesn't feel attacked when you bring up the subject. Okay, she's going to feel attacked because she's on drugs. Yeah, she's <laughs> a drug addict. Yeah, there's nothing you're going to say here, friend. I think you, sh- you owe her the conversation with the amount of life you live together. And she's going to lie to you, and then you're going to go, okay, well, here's the thing. This current lifestyle is not going to work out for me. If you want to come with me as we enjoy Head for a New Life together, 
I would love to have you, but I will no longer be a part of this weirdness. Yeah, you are served by your non-committal lifestyle because all you have to do is just leave. Like, yeah, if you're just yeah. boyfriend, girlfriend, guess what you haven't set up? Any kind of legal permanence other than we got to haggle over who gets the trailer. Yeah, hook up the trailer and drive it away, yeah. friend. You're, you're good, brother. <laughs> Get out. Okay, ready? Yep. Dare live from the path. I don't like this one. It seems married problems. I feel like I, that's 90% of what we talk about. Uh, yeah, we got to do time. We got to do one more after this, though. I've been married for 16 years, but after the birth of my first child, our marriage went downhill. My husband withdrew and went out with friends often. When my brother was in the hospital, I traveled three hours with my newborn baby to visit him. My husband drove up separately, stayed a few hours, then left to go to a concert with a female friend. Whoa. Our sex life dwindled down to nothing, and I felt like we were roommates. I became depressed and started having manic episodes. I'm on medication now and taking care of myself. I've always resented my husband for this. We have two kids now, and I'm afraid if I leave him, it will hurt the children. I tried three different marriage counselors with him, but he wasn't interested. I now spend my time doing everything with the kids and focusing on my well-being. I met an old high school acquaintance on Facebook. Here we go. And our friendship has turned romantic. I don't see him often, but when I do, I want to be with him always. We are both scared of what could happen. I love him so much. He is kind, sweet, and caring. Do I wait until the kids are 18 to leave? <laughs> Holy I, cow. I like how she ignored all the other 99 decisions that right. need to be thought through and goes, I just, just tell me when, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your husband's been cheating on you since before you got married. Yes. Undoubtedly. Yep. Um, when he went to that concert, he was terrified of the marriage that he'd been a part of that was breaking and that you probably had a kid to maybe try and fix that, and it didn't do anything, and that was his opportunity to go cheat on you again. No other reason for him to drive three hours to your sick brother. He doesn't care. Um, and it may be because, like, he's been shamed since then. It's been rough, but whatever. It's just it, you guys need to – if you've tried marriage counseling three separate times and he's just said, I don't care, he's been checked out of this marriage since before it started. Yeah, and he's manipulative to boot because he won't be honest about it. Oh, absolutely, yes, and you will be – he'll gaslight you. He'll say that you're the one who's crazy. You're the one who – he'll probably try and find the conversations between you and your friend um, is looking for them, all kinds of stuff. Like this is just – this is – this is. Well, I mean to that point though, uh, this is not a caring, lovely man. Uh, He's willing to be uh, entertaining you romantically while you're still married with children. Right, yes, exactly, yeah. So yeah, the uh, other dude isn't good for you either. So. Yeah, yeah, that guy's yeah. also a real piece. Uh, do Do you know what would work here, Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like I, I know we 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 don't usually just give that carte blanche answer, but straight up, like getting into a church community and have having fellas that can see this behavior from your husband, you being around strong, uh, Christ loving women who can help put you up to a place where you uh, are focused more on who God is in your life and 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 how He's your King. Um, is the only way I can imagine that any of this even starts to fix itself. And it's going to take a long and hard bit of conversations that are going to hurt. You're going to break each other's hearts. Things are going to be rough. I appreciate the fact that you're trying to be there for the kids. I do. Uh, it sounds like it's only just in, in statement though. Cause if you're out, you know, meeting up with old high school friends, yeah. like it doesn't sound like you're really trying to preserve that. I get why you're not, but like it, it's do, not really a stance that you're taking that's real. Yeah, I mean, I do. Like, we're missing all kinds of information, right? Like, I, th- this this sounds like over. Wait, well, we got two kids worth of time. Sixteen? How would you say? Sixteen, 16 years. years worth of marriage? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how is this guy around day to day? Like, not did he go out with someone else while you were your brother was in the hospital? But like, is he around? 
with these children. Yeah. Like I like it made I don't think it changes direction what no. you're saying, yeah. right? But like I I didn't I didn't get a um he's a really he's actually a good dad, but I think we're falling apart or right. he's also terrible with the children, right? Like because she brought in children, now I'm not getting a full picture of what's happening. Well, I, here's the thing. This is what this is the the vetting the feelings thing, right? Like the 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 phrase that stuck out to me was our sex life dwindled to nothing, and I felt like we were roommates. I became depressed and started having manic episodes. Like that doesn't seem like a like an actual reaction to me. Like you should be pissed. Yeah, but you. It, it, most likely, what happened was all that was was a reflection in her eyes of her own self worth. Yeah, uh, and so so once it's again, really hard to act in anger in those moments. You start to blame yourself, and you start to think, "What it? What am I doing wrong that he's right. wanting to be?" But out this with is what else. the vetting of feelings would Agreed, do, right? Yes. Yeah, no, the identity was never a problem on you before that had happened. Like he was probably in a place where where he was just checked out or uh, whatever umpteen reasons could have yeah. happened that led to infidelity. Um, but like. I get, I get where that comes from. It, there is a right sizing that needs to happen. That like there is a core foundational identity that you have that you have not called upon or understood yet, that can start to kind of at least right size some of this stuff. Um, and I, I would, I mean, I would highly recommend doing everything you can to start following Jesus and and having that relationship set up because he's an arbiter for you between you and your husband. Things will start to. I mean, it doesn't get easier by any means, but like there is a road to healing here. And I truthfully believe that Jesus is the only way. Yeah, agree, Nathaniel. Yeah, classic. Uh, Secular <laughs> says uh, her final question was: Do I wait until the kids are eighteen to leave? Secular says make an appointment to talk with an attorney. When you do, be sure to ask what kind of financial information you may need to ensure you get a fair settlement should you decide to end this charade of a marriage. Once you have the information, tell your husband that the status quo isn't good enough for you and offer one more chance at marriage counseling. If he refuses, and he will, proceed with setting yourself free. Raising children in the atmosphere you have described may be more damaging than getting a divorce. A warning, however, once you become available on a full-time basis, your lover may not be ready or willing to become your knight in shining armor. Be prepared to fend for yourself, just in case. I, that was a very that was a very cavalier set of advice to say it may be worse. Right. Yes, it may be, uh, but I'm not that. I get, I get it. I get it. There's, there's a thought that says, "Hey, look, man, do we put on this charade just to, for the children?" Uh, I, I don't know that you have to put on your marriage uh, charade, um, but you should genuinely parent these children to yes. your very best, and that yes. may require you living in a non-romantic relationship yep. with your children in the house. Yep. Uh, and like, here's the deal: you should have uh, whoever's being irresponsible, and it may very well be both of you are responsible for having brought two kids in here, and you don't get to change that just because you decided to start acting differently 16 years in, okay? And so, yeah, you're both going to have to sacrifice here for the betterment of these kids. What did I hear? There's uh, My wife is telling a story about uh, a couple who got divorced, and the way that they, you have to have a lot of money to do this particular thing, but the way they resolved it was the kids stayed in the house, and each of the parents owned oh, separate houses. I've uh, heard of that. Here's the thing. Then the kids never move. Yeah. The kids stay in the same house. I'm not like, whatever, the divorce stinks. But, you know, of the solutions available, there's stability. that's stability for yeah. the children. So I'm sure that costs a lot of money. And and here's the deal. Interestingly, think of what you still have to negotiate as a family, right? 
Like the heat's at 74, the heat's at 68 when dad's in, right? There's still who fixes the refrigerator? Yeah. Who's, who's mowing the grass? Dad lets us have pizza, mom. I see. Now that happens regardless, but you're doing it in the same house. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't hate that of all the yeah. options on the table. But I, yeah, yeah, I get it. This is right now, uh, when, once you had kids, it stopped being primarily about you and about right. the two of you. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to make the bed that you lied. And sometimes people make the bed on top of you. And I'm sorry. Uh, but that, that is the path you're on now. Okay. Last one. Ready? Yep. Go quick. You're live from the path. My granddaughter, who is in her early thirties, expecting her first child. This will be my first grandchild. Mm-hmm. When she called to invite me to her baby shower, I asked her who was hosting the event. Neither my daughter, her mom, her father, nor I live in the same state she does. My thought was to contact that person and offer assistance, physically and financially. She said that she and her partner were hosting the event themselves. When I said, but hosting your own shower is in poor taste. Usually a friend, co-worker, or a family member does the hosting. She became very upset. She said times have changed, and if they want to host, they can. Which would ensure everything is done the way they want it. She has been very emotional during the pregnancy. Anyway... She all but uninvited me to the shower and has dodged my calls since the conversation. So, live from the path, am I behind the times? Has that rule of etiquette gone out the window? How can I repair the relationship, which up to this point has been very good? Is it is it an etiquette problem? In her eyes, yes. But is it really? <laughs> uh, I mean, it does, maybe I'm, traditionally I, it, from like seventy years ago. I get tradition makes sense to me. And like, yeah. it, generally speaking, throwing your own shindig. That's kind of weird. I get how it sniffs on. I just, yeah. I'm not sure it's rude. Yeah. It just seems like a little bit unique. <laughs> it's just like, none of my friends are good enough for me. So yeah. let me yeah. do this so it's right. I'd be worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone else would screw it up. So I'm throwing a birthday party for myself. Yeah. And, and I get that. I mean, I, I have those thoughts myself. <laughs> but I never say them out loud. <laughs> when my grandmother calls. Uh-huh. Everyone sucks. I'm great. I feel like you guys are being a little bit harsh on the person that's throwing the party for themselves. Why? Because you're being harsh. Why, though? Yeah, like, but w- I, yeah, I think why? it's fine. I don't think it's that selfish. Like, if it's a birthday party, yeah, that's one thing. But I, I don't think a baby shower is the same as a birthday party. I don't think it's, it's that different. selfish. What? That's what you said. I don't think it's that selfish. Yeah, from the perspective so it's of, like... still selfish, though. From the perspective... Well, I, you're right. Thank you for calling me out for that. I don't think it's selfish. I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. I literally... I, I take no problem with someone throwing a, a baby shower for themselves. I don't think it's selfish. I think everybody wants to do it anyway. They're trying to get some stuff for the kids, which is perfectly acceptable because we all know kids can get super expensive, especially if it's their first kid. They think the world is about to implode and everything's going to be expensive. So they're taking it on themselves to do it. And grandma's coming in and is going like, isn't it a bit rude of you to do that? And then once you called her out for that and then said she's been emotional the entire pregnancy – yeah, it probably uh, wasn't really her spot to say, man, that's rude. Because really, it's the great-grandmother, right? Isn't it her granddaughter who's having the child? Well, yes, yeah. it's her great-granddaughter who's being born. It's yeah. her granddaughter yeah. whose party it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, like, if I, as a grandparent, I would, I would never, like, if my grandson does something weird in 15 years, I would be like, hey, that's just unethical. That's rude. That's rude. It'd be like... I might tell my wife, man, that's kind of weird. But <laughs> she said specifically, that's in poor taste. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't agree. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit caught. Why you? What, what is it that was harsh? I think it was that it was non-traditional. I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I, I'm missing what was harsh about it. What did Dan and I say that we felt was harsh? From, well, so the the statement was on like this gal is being selfish and like throwing your own party. If I said I was throwing my own birthday party because I didn't want anybody else to throw it poorly. 
Yeah. Like that's a bit harsh on the situation. I don't oh, think I don't, she's oh, trying to say No, that's the important part. I think if 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 no one else will do a good enough job for you, uh that does seem weird to me. Or maybe she wasn't expecting them to do it, so she threw it herself. Uh well, that the presumption would be that she also has no friends who offered, which I could be true. Yeah, it's a, it doesn't sound like grandma offered. It sounds like grandma called after the fact and said, "Hey, who's doing it?" and they hadn't assumed that someone else was going to do it already, so they just they planned. Well, yeah. She threw her own bridal shower and her yeah, I, I mean, it's certainly it's certainly not uh, party. Yeah, I mean, I, I it could be. I, th- I think the reason this part, particular part is important is like if you're recognizing where your grandmother might be coming from, it's not it's not normal. I don't mean like abnormal, like uh, there's something wrong with you, but like it's not how it's generally done. Generally, someone does it for you. And especially if the vibe came off that like I did it because everyone else sucks at doing it like you should know that it might come off that way. If yeah. that's not what you're thinking, then fine. But, like, if you're trying to understand at least a little bit. But for a second, I'll be gracious with your grandmother. I mean, whatever. She just she has a way of you she in the world. She wants to get money. Yeah. She wants to make it a successful. Yeah, just go, sorry, Grandma, you're old. The time's times have moved on. Are you going to you coming or what? Like, there's no reason to make this a, a firestorm yeah. with Granny. Yeah, I think that could be said on both sides. I yeah, think, I think Grandma might be taking it rough, too. Like, hey, they, they said they were doing it on, them, on their own. Great. Show up. And and be happy about it. Bring a thousand bucks that you were planning on financially well, planning she, for it anyway. Yeah, right? I mean the the difference is it sounds like the the granddaughter's dodging the calls. So like that's not just oh like I'm gonna show up anyway. It sounds like you might make her mad by coming if she's dodging the calls. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've been in that situation where I don't answer those phone calls because because that person has been vicious or that person has just said some stuff that I didn't care about. So I just went okay. Then I think we're we don't need to be in a place. Well, where right. We're that's what I'm saying. So so you can't tell the grandma just like oh it's okay just go ahead and come. Like I just no, give no. off the vibe that she's not agreed. Welcome. Yeah, I, but I think this is more than just one conversation that led to this. It doesn't sound like grandma called said hey who's doing this. They said we're doing it on our own. Grandma went that's in poor taste, and then immediately she goes well forget you grandma. I never want to speak to you again. Blah blah blah. Oh, I, think- I did. I guess I didn't. I didn't get that. They didn't say that. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, secular says many of the ironclad rules of an older generation have fallen by the wayside. The one about who can or cannot host a shower is one of them. Write or email your granddaughter, apologize for upsetting her and explain that you may need an updated version of your etiquette book. Then offer to help with the shower in any way you can. That's all you can do. I wish you luck. I think that's fine. Updated edition. Somebody, I like, yeah, you two, both these people should let this go. Yeah. yeah. There's okay. no, re- there's no reason to set fire in either direction. I know I'm not going. I certainly not. Going. I had no idea there was a, an etiquette on who could throw a, a baby shower. Did you throw your own? I have. I don't know. Hmm. Good sign. I just want to make sure the dudes aren't invited. That's all I care about. Yeah. Like, I don't think. I don't think I've ever been like, to a baby shower. Oh, actually, that sounds right. Uh, so mostly, mostly for ladies. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that I, I mean. I've been invited to a couple that I've said no. Yeah. Oh, couples. Like, I thought that was pretty like to not have dudes. No. But I've also been the guy that shows up and, like, sets stuff up, and then I'm like, all right, I'm taking off, mm-hmm. and then I'll be back when it's time to pick the chairs up. It seems like the right thing to do to me, like, to have your own – it's like your kid, you know? It's people, like having a pre-birthday. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, where I'd be – is people like to do that for you. Like, your friends like to do that for you. And so, like, uh, I, I would just be aware that – um, someone who wants to serve you and help in that way, like if you just run up and type A, go grab it. Uh, you just, I mean, you're denying sure. them the ability. It just so. wouldn't even cross my mind if someone said, "Hey, baby showers need to happen." I would think, "Okay, it's when, my kid. I got to do, do it." When do I schedule that? It's not yeah, like yeah. I'm like, "Hey, pal, my kid's having a birthday. Will you throw him a birthday?" 
<laughs> I would. Well, actually, let me ask you. The, the, do you find it odd? Uh, do you schedule your own birthday party? Do you throw your own party and plan it? No, but I do for my kids. Yeah, but that's not. No, I'm talking about you. I have. So, okay, yeah. Well, this makes sense. I everything where this is coming from. Buva throws his own party. Yeah, and I said that because I knew there was going to be a reaction. Yeah. I did it because my family refused to not let me have one. And so I said, fine, I don't want you to be burdened with it, so I'll do it myself. And so I cooked for everything, and I planned everything, and I did everything, so not a single person had to do any work for me. Oh, weren't expecting that, were you? No. Yes. No. Yeah, I would expect that. And I think, yeah. that's, I think that's wrong. They want to serve you. They want to celebrate yeah, birthday. I don't want to be served. Leave me alone. Okay. Wow. You've been listening to Live from the Path on LiveFromPath.org. Uh, we've been oddly confrontational the last 10 minutes for some unknown reason. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I'll have you know. <laughs> I always have by. to edit Nathaniel. All right. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We really do appreciate it. If you've got any feedback for us on the show, call us on the uh, Bob Eisenhower Live from the Path complaint line, 515-517-0085. Call or text. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.